0: You're going to be great in that industry. So they have to have that confidence. You have to build them up, you know. And it's okay to say you're new, it's okay to say you don't know, but you also have to say, but here's what I can bring to the table, and I want it really bad.
1: This is Chan with The Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Jen. Happy Thursday and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
1: So obviously, both of us aren't living on a rock. There are some massive layoffs the past couple of weeks. Well, we have, uh, what, Twitter, half the staff got laid off and then Meta yesterday, I think, 11,000 people got laid off. So yeah, a lot of people are looking for jobs right now. And those are just the main two, right? There's probably a lot of other tech layoffs that happened in the past couple of months that did happen, but not as big as the ones that we just experienced. With that being said, what's your thoughts on everything going on in terms of the labor market?
0: Well, first, let me talk about the tech. Like I saw that one coming, right? That was kind of being told that it was coming. So it wasn't a huge shock when all that happened. I'm also seeing on the manufacturing side, not so much of the layoffs, it's just that the retention, there's nobody that can stay, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to keep people, whether it's for pay, you know, whether it's for location, whether it's just for anything, really. I mean, it's really hard to get people excited to go back to work. And which is odd for me to hear when everyone was complaining that they just wanted to go back to work. So it's very interesting, I would say, right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think there was an email I got leaked, or maybe someone screenshot that Elon Musk is basically forcing everybody to go to the office like 40 hours a week. And like, there's always this huge debate of, remote work or hybrid, like the going to office nine to five every single day, that's going to be hard for companies to do because a lot of people will want to leave for other opportunities. So how do you think things are going to shake out in the next couple of years with like, again, like these layoffs, the recession, employers wanting people to come back to the office more often? What's your thoughts on everything going on?
0: Well, you know, first I kind of applaud companies that want people to come back into work to get that morale back up, to get that one-on-one interaction, which I think is very important. I do feel the nine-to-five hustle and bustle Monday through Friday is definitely not the strategy to go to. People are just not going to do it. We found out when COVID hit that a lot of jobs, unless you're like manufacturing and have to be in a warehouse or on machinery, you can do pretty much everything from home. But there is something to be said about that being in an office with people. And I feel that coming in like that and saying, being a dictatorship, I guess you can say, or being like micromanagement, that is gone. I mean, no one's going to put up with any of that anymore. So I think with companies listening to what the employees are liking, I like that four day work week, right? You know, let them pick their day off. Not everybody wants a Friday off. You know, I worked and I loved having Monday off you know because you're coming off the weekend and you have Monday off. So you're going to have to have that flexibility. You're going to have to listen to the candidates. I mean, if this is not an employee driven market, I guess you can say it's more of the candidates, you know, they need them. So they need to listen. And I feel that we just need to keep going in this hybrid, at least hybrid, you know, Because there is something to be said with that one-on-one. I'm a big believer in that. You know, I like getting out and I like seeing people, but I don't like being told. And people don't like to be told that they have to clock in, they have to clock out, you know, because 2020 showed us that we can just all go home and have no schedule and we can do our job. But we need to get some structure back. We do need structure and we do need flexibility. So I think if we keep going in that route, and not being so harsh and everybody saying you have to come back in, I think things are going to look a lot better. People aren't going to be so angry and so, you know, demanding right now.
1: Which leads me to my next question. As we both know, there's a lot of uh, discussion about the recession. And then as I already mentioned, the layoffs and everything. So that means that there's less companies hiring. Besides that, what are some other Challenges that candidates are facing in this economic climate when it comes to seeing out their next career opportunity?
0: I think right now there's a mass rush for hiring. You know, everybody's applying. So you're up against everybody. And I don't think that there's no jobs out there. I think we only see that there's no jobs out there. You know, if you go on to these job boards, people are hiring. I mean, anywhere you're looking at big jobs, right? I'm talking at the level of hospitality. You know restaurants you know very you know mid-level positions and it's so bizarre because everyone will say there are no jobs but there are a lot of jobs and then they'll say that nobody wants to work we get the people they're paying unbelievable and sign-on bonuses they're giving people everything that they want they just can't keep them so that makes me think of the culture of the company right that's what makes people leave right culture you can pay somebody all the money in the world you know if it's a bad atmosphere people are going to bounce so i think that's what companies have to be looking at what is your culture like and candidates are up against you know they're battling each other you know are you flexible are you cheap (laughs) you know companies are always you know are how much money are you asking for and you know are you able to come in all the time so like i said It's such a teeter totter. It's a balancing act because I see the client side because I deal with the client side all the time and listen in my ear and hear what all their complaints are. Then you hear the candidate side and they're all talking about the same things. It's just there's no communication. There's something there's this big gap, you know, and that's my job is to fill that gap, right, to make sure that the candidate is understanding the client, the client's understanding what the candidates are asking for. You know, these companies don't know. You know, they're just thinking, well, we got a job. We put it out there. We should have all these people. It doesn't work that way <laughs> anymore. So <laughs> you got to go out and find these people. you know,
1: yeah, like one of the old adages is that the best candidates are the passive ones because I'm sure with your h r experience, when you have a posting, you have a lot of unqualified people. not necessarily they're unqualified for any job. It's just for your job because they're spamming the resume and not really tailoring it, right? right. So, Going back to passive candidates who are currently working, you're searching for them on LinkedIn. So at least from a first impression perspective, you know, they have the qualifications. It's whether they're actually interested in making a move and if there's a good cultural fit. And that's when the communication comes into play.
0: Correct. Right. I mean, that's, you have to go at, I mean, I ask candidates or clients, you know, who are your competitors? You know, give me that person. Like who are your companies that you are your competitors? So I can go in there and take that person. You know, whether it's right or wrong, that's how I was taught how to recruit in a market where there wasn't people sitting at home. But when you have specific needs, you know, when you're dealing with engineering or, you know, HR positions that I do, financial positions, you know, especially in an industry, if it's manufacturing, food, you know, you can be or medical. Medical's taking the biggest hit. And, you know, I have a very good candidate with medical experience, amazing financial with medical but she can't get a job because the medical in her eyes is not paying the medical is not, you know, giving her what she wants but yet she can't get into a manufacturing company because she doesn't have the industry experience. So now you come into this situation where you have all the qualifications. Now how can we teach you an in industry? So that's another obstacle, you know that we are facing or that I am facing also. So yeah, you have to be specific and you look and see if they're looking and you have to come in with an offer. These, I mean, if you're going to pull somebody, you have to make it good. The only way to know, it sounds horrible, but you have to find their pain. Like you have to like dig and find their pain. Like you want to get them mad because as soon as you find out what's making them mad, that's your ammo to go to your client and say, hey, this is what. He or she's biggest issue is give me something and that's going to entice them. So you have to do a lot of detective work and really dig in. And that's probably my <laughs> the best part of my job because you have to get into the nitty gritty and the trenches because everyone wants to come across at the beginning of a call, right? Everything's great. I'm not looking and, you know, don't want to step on anybody's toes. And then you're like, all right, let's get all that out of the way. What is it
1: going to take? Speaking of which, about like what you said about they might have the general skills, right? But they don't have the industry experience. Uh, Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've experienced when working with clients is they have a tough time making a career change for whether it's industry or a role. So, for example, let's say they wanted to go from marketing to product management or from an industry Mm -hmm. side, let's say they want to go from CPG since consumer packaged goods into tech. Mm -hmm. What is some advice that you can provide someone to help them make that career transition into a different role or different industry altogether?
0: i like to know why, you know, what interests them, what interests them about where their learning curve is, because, you know, then you have to go to your client. I'm all about changing industries, right? I'm all about trying something new. I think that's great because you have to keep up with the times. And that's when you get into that mundane, right? And then that burnout because you're doing the same thing over and over again. So you want to try and do something, but you want to ask them, you know, what's that interest? How coachable are you? You know, you're starting from the bottom. And, you know, and then you have to have a client that is open to taking that time, you know, to really teach somebody, you know, your industry. And I think if someone wants to do it, they have to be patient. They're not just going to get in. You know, you have to really show that success in what you're currently doing and what that is going to bring to this industry or why you feel. You know, you're going to be great in that industry. So they have to have that confidence. You have to build them up, you know, and it's okay to say you're new. It's okay to say you don't know, but you also have to say, but here's what I can bring to the table and I want it really bad. And that consistency and showing that you're doing the research and showing that you're doing the work to get into that industry is what I tell, you know, my candidates. It's great that you want to change and do something, that's wonderful. But Here's somebody who's doing it. And then here's somebody like you. What do you have that this person doesn't? And then they really have to think about themselves.
1: Yeah. Speaking of like what you said about being patient, right? A lot of people like the idea of a career change, but they won't actually <laughs> do the work to get right. to make that career change. And like for me, for example, I started my career in digital marketing as a small agency and I wanted to go into corporate different industry altogether. It was tough. Like I had to do a lot of networking. It took me about like six months, right? And this is with me with like work experience. When I was a fresh grad, it took me even longer because I had no experience. But even when I had experience, I didn't have the big company experience. So it was not an easy transition. So it did take me some time to network and build up my reputation to actually get a referral in. But that's a lot of work, right? And a lot of professionals, again, they like the idea. They think, for example, if I get into like data science, they they all they have to do is take a boot camp, have like a small portfolio, and then apply, and then they get the job from the employer. But there's obviously a lot more involved in that and it does take you a bit more time. But as you said, you have to have patience if you really are passionate about making that career change.
0: Right. And instant gratification, right? You'd want it and you want it now. And you know, I have to tell people also, you know, when you're looking for work, that's your full time job now. So if you have a full time job, you've just added a part time job looking for a job. And if you're not working, that is now your full-time job. So you can't just take a day off. You know, you have to be actively going and it takes work. And, you know, I'm noticing that people right or wrong, but they're lazy. You know, people don't want to, they don't want to do the work. They just want to get the job. And we have to, that's where I come in and say, I get it. I get that you're frustrated. I get that you've done all of these things, but something's missing. You're not doing something, right? So we're going to figure out what that is. So once you get over that instant gratification, once we get over that, you know, woe is me, you know, all of that stuff, then we get down to work here. But you have to look at this as your job now. This is, and if you want to go to a different industry and you're coming up against people, you know, you have to come to play. And it takes a lot of coaching and patience. If that's one thing, you have to have patience. I have to have patience and, you know, all sides have to be patient.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like going back to Instagram right? Like I've had calls with prospective clients and they would, it'd be like a information dump, right? They say, oh, I've done my resume. What else can I do? What else can I do, right? So they're looking for some silver bullet, but it's not about finding some secret sauce. It's about getting good at the fundamentals, which is like, if your resume is not getting the response you're looking for, just make a better resume. There's no like secret tactic out there that bypasses having a good resume, right? Same with uh, interviewing. Like it doesn't matter what you do. You have to talk to someone and build trust and connection in that interview to get the job. Like you can't bypass an interview, right? So it it seems like a lot of people, when they get frustrated, they're trying to look for quick answers. And you and I have just agreed that there is no quick answer. It's about being patient, following the process, and reiterating the fundamentals over time to get better.
0: Yes. I mean, yes. On all of those, I agree 100% because they just want it now. And even with the resume, you know, it's not easy to make a resume, right? I mean, I can't keep mine up to date and I've got 20 years that I have to put on a resume and you forget what you do. like And then you do it and then you think, wow, I do pretty good, you know? But, and then you get into that, you know, that interview part of you're talking about and people don't understand the process. And, You know, once you get that interview, I tell my candidates all the time, you know, we know you can do the job. That's why you have the interview. We got to get back to basics. People have lost interview skills because we've gone to Zoom. People have lost interview skills because we're doing it on the phone. So we're losing that connection, right? So it's all about going back to basics because once you get into the interview, it's really at that point a yes, I tell them. Make sure you have a high of your career and a low of your career and what you wish you could have done better in your career, right? Have all of those things in the back of your mind. But, you know, you need to be five to 10 minutes early. You need to dress professionally. You need to have that conversation. No eating, no drinking. It really goes back to the basics and that personality match and culture, you know, to make sure that they're the right fit. We know you can do the job, so don't harp on that. But, you know, we've lost the basics, and that's what I and still with candidates and clients is like, we have to go back to yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, please. Thank you. Sending the thank you email, sending the thank you letter, you know, getting back to the basics. And I feel that if we can do that, then all parties can kind of, you know, simmer down a little bit.
1: Speaking of like people losing their skills in interviews and communication in the interviews, you probably get this as well. When they don't get the job, like they go through the interview process, they go deep into the interview process, let's say a few times and they don't get the job. They think Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with their resume. So they end up trying to tweak it even more. But the resume's already got you in the door. And if you pass the first round, they know you're qualified. Now it's the more of the cultural fit and the communication delivery. But again, for some reason, they always revert back to like trying to fix the resume to think that that's the key to getting them the job.
0: No, (laughs) you know, I've done corporate recruiting that I just worked with one company. But since I'm in the middle now, you know, when a client comes to me and says they're not a good fit, I'm like, okay, I can respect that. But I need to know why, you know, why have they gotten to second and third? And what is that reason? Why did they swear? Did they do an eye roll? Did they have, a, you know, whatever the case may be, I need to know what they did. Because then I have to go and people are scared to tell people rejection, you know, and that's just part of life. And that's just part of what I do. I think I've done more rejection calls than congratulation calls because you have so many people that you interview and interview, right? You can have five, six people. They're only taking one. So you still have five people. You have to give them all the bad news. So, you know, it's hard, but I try to be as transparent or I am as transparent as possible so that they know. I had a lady, she worked 25 years with T-Mobile, Sprint, all in, you know, telephone. And she was going for a regional finance position and for an electric company. And totally different industry, but she had all the skills. So I pushed her through and they spoke with her. And they came back and said, because it was her lack of interview experience, they didn't feel that she had a grasp of the job. And, you know, part of me was like, okay, but then I thought, let's just talk about she's been 25 years with one company, which is unheard of nowadays, you know, but I had to go and tell her and she told me too. you know, she was like, I was nervous and, you know, so you don't have that confidence and interviewing is hard, you know, it is hard because you feel. I don't know why I feel people get guarded, like they think they're being judged or they think they're being attacked when it's just a normal conversation, just like when they call me. You know, I think people are more lax with recruiters because they don't think we, I don't know, they're just kind of like we're their friend, like it's not the company. So they feel they can get away with a lot more or say a lot more and you got to put those boundaries in play. But I think you have to ask, you know, why is this candidate not working? And if I don't like the client's answer, I'm going to tell them. Well, that's not going to work for me, because now I have to recruit for you. So I need to know where I missed the mark, or if I didn't miss the mark, where did this person miss the mark? And so, you know, you have to have those tough calls. We're kind of like the bad cop, good cop, you know, like in all areas.
1: You make a good point that leads me to my next topic in regards to. Why is it important for employers to provide feedback to candidates that they don't hire? You've been in corporate recruiting, right? So there's always this debate of like, why don't recruiters or hiring managers give proper feedback? They might just do the corporate line. Oh, we enjoy talking to you, but we decided to go with someone with more experience. Mm -hmm. Some people think it may be like just to not get sued, or it could be you might take the feedback as discrimination. So they don't want like a lawsuit or anything of that nature. Some say that they're just really busy. So like, what's your take on all that in regards to like, why don't employers or why don't a lot of employers give real feedback that candidates can actually use to better themselves? Instead of going through a job search hamster wheel because they don't know what they're doing wrong and these employers are not giving them the right feedback to get better.
0: Right. I think you said it correctly. On the HR side of it, when you're dealing with human resources, you know, they have a script. You know, they can't even give a reference. This is days of work and are they eligible for rehire? You can't say anything. You know, you can't even ask what they want to make money. You have to change it a certain way. The laws have changed so much on what you can and can't ask. And I think honestly, people are scared to give rejection because they don't know how it's going to, you know, come back at them. And it is, people are very sensitive and their guards are up and they're going to be offended. And I think that's not how it's always been. I think that's how it's become. I've seen that change in that market because of all the laws that have been put into play and you can't ask anything. And, you know, a lot of times I tell candidates, I'm like, I got to ask you X, Y, Z, like, I need to know why you left this job. I need to know how much money you want to make. I mean, I don't understand why, you know, I need to know it is because nobody wants to hurt anyone's feelings and for it to come back and, you know, be a lawsuit or a discriminatory comment, which most of the time it is not. And sometimes if they're not a cultural fit, maybe they just didn't, you know, it's okay. I mean, we're not all supposed to, you know, get along. It's okay if it's because you just didn't feel it with them. But I will respect that if there was nothing else that was the reason why. You know, like, did he or she say something horrible? You know what I mean? Like, did they, you know, like I said earlier, did they swear or did they, you know, get up and answer the phone, like where they're not professional. But I think mostly it is being guarded. These companies are being guarded. So nothing comes back and they're not going to put anything in writing because you cannot, you know? So, yeah. And I think that's what the best thing about being a recruiter is, is that we can get all that information as opposed to HR to candidate. You know, I think in this case with my career and I'm sure with yours, I like being that middleman because it lessens the guard a lot to get the answers that we need.
1: Think of the answers that you need in terms of salary, a lot of candidates, they hate the dreaded question of what are your salary expectations, right? They don't want mm-hmm. to give too low a number. So they try to push back and like ask what the budget is. And then depending on what company it is, the recruiter will then push back and not give an answer. Another example would be try to delay the discussion of salary saying, oh, I don't know the full details of the role. I would like to talk about this more later on in the process once I'm more familiar with what the role entails. So there's a lot of like different angles on how to answer this question. But what's your thoughts on the salary expectation questions from a recruiter and as a candidate?
0: Well, I think as a recruiter, it's very important for all job postings to have the range for a salary. And to be honest, that's been a big debate that I've seen on LinkedIn. Like, do you put the salary requirements on there or do you not put the salary requirements on there? You need the salary requirements on there. You need to give people a range. I do believe that. You know, I pretty much go in there with, on the client side, they give me, you know, a salary. And I have to make sure I'm asking, is that including a bonus? Is there a bonus with that? What is all of that? Give me everything. If you're going to tell me it's ninety-five thousand dollars a year for this job, great. Is that ninety-five thousand dollar total comp, or is it looking at ninety thousand and we've got this bonus and this bonus? And you know, then I need to know how far can I go. So I like to play around. You know, if you're going to give me ninety-five thousand as my range, let's say ninety to ninety-five, you know that they have some play. So, you know, I'm sending a 97, 98, I'm pushing the envelope, $100,000 person to see, like, where are they going to go? When are they going to stop? You know, because they will eventually, but I like to play a little bit with that. And, you know, that's on the client side. But on the candidate side, people are lowballing themselves, actually. They're actually lowballing themselves, thinking that is a way to make them marketable. And I said, that's a horrible thing to do. I had somebody, I'm like, you don't ever lowball yourself. You have to know your worth. And I always say, I'm like, you know, in a perfect world, give me something. My job, I tell them, is to make you money. And I laugh at them. I said, the more money you make, the more money I make. So why am I going to, you know, lowball you? I'm like, I just, I need to know. So if they tell me that they're making $80,000 a year, okay, great. Again, is that total comp? Are there benefits? Are there bonuses? And once you make it more, less stressful, I'm just not a stressful person with anybody on the phone with this. You know, I just like to, let's just get it out there, you know, and let's just move on. You know, a lot of times I ask the money up the front, like right away, like, what are we looking at here? You know, like, why are you leaving this job? Cause I feel I'm worth more. Great. How much do you think you're worth? And then they tell you, I said, great. Now we got that out of the way. Let's talk about what you do. And I have to sell them. You know, I have to sell the candidate every single time. I've done a lot of negotiations. I've done a lot of counteroffers. I'm pretty proud to say that I haven't lost many at all because I feel that there's no secrets. You know what I mean? There's no secrets. And so when an offer comes through to me, to a candidate, I'm very confident that they're going to accept because you have that. Horrible topic of money. We need money, you know, so we have to have this conversation. I don't like the laws. I don't want to say laws, but I think it's getting a little, you can't ask somebody what they make. Well, then I don't understand that. So now what? You know, I have to be able to finagle it a little bit. So, but I think money, once you get that off the table, it's smooth sailing from there.
1: You're obviously aware of the salary transparency laws that came into effect in New York. I think it was New York. And some of these uh, companies are gaming the system. I think I saw one ad about like salary range, zero to 2 million, or it's basically some law, like this huge range that doesn't mean anything. Right. So again, I think it's nonsense, but what's your take in terms of like government getting involved in the company's business in regards to like posting actual accurate salary ranges?
0: I think a company should be able to do what a company wants to do. That's my take on it. You know, there has to be some boundaries put into play here, you know, and putting something out there from zero to whatever. That's a joke. That makes you look silly, first of all. And then it's just going to waste more time because you're going to get candidates of all different caliber of people so you can have, what, another status that we have all these people applying and your recruiters aren't even getting through what they have normally. I mean, nobody understands unless you get Indeed and you're getting hundreds and hundreds of resumes a day. I mean, it's exhausting. So I think companies should do what companies want to do. And if they want to pay, I think a range is good. I mean, you have to have a range. You know, If you're looking anywhere from and I think the range is good because it shows if a company is open to somebody who might be entry to mid-level to a senior level position, right? You know, so a 50 to, I think anywhere from like a 10 to, 10 to $12,000 range, I think is a good starting point to put on there and see what you get because you get what you pay for. So if you're putting that, you know, salary range out there and you're not getting those candidates, now you got to sit back and think, hmm is my job posting bad? Am I not marketing my company good enough? Is the salary, you know, there's so many glass door career builder, there's so many ways to get a salary analysis. Use those for your market. Know your market, know the standard of living and make a range that is going to be, you know, good for somebody who to, wants to come to you. I think companies should do what companies want to do and have some boundaries there.
1: In terms of salary expectations, when comes to candidate researching the right salary range for their skill set and experience, how do you go about doing that? Do you just recommend like the standard general advice of going to websites like Glassdoor, Indeed, PayScale to find like a salary range for a position you're looking for? Or is there a better way to get more accurate information? Because again, like some of these salary ranges might be outdated on the website or it could be inflated, right? So what right. is a way to research to find accurate salary information to get paid what you're worth as you're job searching?
0: Usually when I do an intake call with a client, I'll ask them, but then I also do my own research on Glassdoor. I look at Indeed. I'll look at their competitors to see if they're hiring for the same one. So I'll get a lot of different comparison ranges. Kids don't know a lot of them that they can do that. You know, a lot of them don't know that there's those resources out there. So, you know, to get them, I usually do that for them. I do. But as long as I know, and our or clients will ask too, are we in the right range? Should I go up? Should I go down? You know, so, you know, I just do my research and rounds to seeing their, the competitors of what's going on, seeing what's on Indeed, seeing what might be on Zip, Classdoor, what Salary.com I think is another one. Career Builder used to be really good with all of that, but it was kind of gone to the wayside. And I mean, I've been using, I mean, gosh, I was around with Monster. Monster dot com came. I mean, and that used to be and dice. I mean, there was a lot that I used to use, you know, back then. And and Zoom info is also something that's a really good tool that shows companies and, you know, are they on the rise? Are they hiring? Are they laying off? So Zoom info is something new that's coming out, newer that people have been using. And I enjoyed that for a short time that I have used it too.
1: Great. And in regards to like, just going back to the job searching, right? What is your advice or when you work with clients and they are applying to tons of jobs and they're not hearing back? What do you try to identify as the problem that they can fix so they can actually start getting the results that they want?
0: I had this situation with a candidate. She was applying at, I mean, she had a list of everywhere she applied. And it was sad because she wasn't getting any feedback. And, you know, I had to really educate them and say, here's how the job market works. You know, if you're going through a recruiter, they're a third party, so they're using Indeed and the companies are also using Indeed. So you're getting, there's hundreds and hundreds of resumes that they have to go through. So you might not even be seen. You know, I always try and tell the candidate to to go to that actual company, really dig for a contact name. You know, call the company, do some work, you know, do some work in there and, you know, be patient if it's been a while and, you know, don't beat a dead horse. If it's done, it's done. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest thing that I hear the most. That's the biggest complaint. If you've seen on LinkedIn and if you've seen the threads, the biggest complaint is candidates saying that they're getting ghosted all the time. And yes, can we talk to every single person? No, it's not realistic. But I take pride in my communication. And it's something that I've always been told that I've been very good at that transparency. I had a mentor many, many years ago tell me that the fortune is in the follow-up. And I've always thought of that. And I feel for these candidates because you get to know them on a personal level. An HR person, not to not corporate or the HR department, they don't get them on a personal level. We get them on a personal level, you know? So, and I would suggest to candidates too that are going through companies, go through a recruiter. I had a girl call me and she gave me a list of 13 contacts that she was applying for. These are actual straight HR people, 13 of them everywhere that she applied. And I said, let me see what I can do for you. You know, let me see if I can get some answers for you. So using a recruiter will also help that work, that help you. You know, people don't understand that. They think recruiter and what we do, a lot of people think right away, oh, staffing or temporary staffing or, you know, and yes, that is true, too. I've done that for half of my career, too. But if you find yourself an executive recruiter, you know, they can help you. But keep being patient. When it's right, it's right and it'll come. You know, I know nobody likes to hear that, but it is true. <laughs> it really makes me sad that there are so many people out there that really do kind of wash their hands of it and there is no follow up because that really bothers me. But that's the number one complaint. Over money. It's been the whole ghosting.
1: Yeah, no one has to get ghosted, whether it's like dating or job search, right? They want an answer. Like no is better than nothing, as right. they would say. Hundred percent. So you help a lot of professionals with interview prep, and you did touch upon how a lot of candidates, professionals don't know how to communicate properly in interviews anymore. So with your expertise, what are some of the common interview mistakes a lot of professionals make that they're not aware that they're making? Because again, no, these companies are not giving them proper feedback to fix those mistakes.
0: I think well, if you're looking on the remote side of things with Zoom, they're not treating it like walking in an interview, so they're not on time. Some people are very, you know, they look at being on this Zoom or Google Meets or whatever as being on time. Dressing professionally. People forgot they got lax when they're at home and they have to dress professionally. You have to tell people, you know, dress professionally. And I think they're missing that. The phone. Oh, gosh. I tell people, shut the phone off don't wear your watch in there. You know, technology, you can be without it for an hour. So I tell them, do not bring their phone in there. Bring your resume. If you're going face to face, always bring your resume. People forget about the resume. They really do. They just think, well, they have it. Well, you know, no, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. You know, you bring your resume and you come in there, no food, no gum, no candy, no swearing, these are not your friends. You know, you have to talk professionally. Again, it all goes back to the basics, you know, and even though they're real people, even though they're just like you and I and it's just a normal conversation, being on time, shaking your hand, saying thank you, sending that follow-up email or a thank you letter is so crucial. That if there's like 10 people and two of them send that thank you letter, Those are the two I guarantee that are going to be called back. You know, remembering their names. You know, a lot of times when you talk with someone on the phone or an email the first time, I always say, you know, what stuck out? Make sure you know who you're interviewing with. Don't walk in there and say, I don't know. Know your company. Research the company. That is probably, you think people would get that, but I send like a whole interview prep sheet and know the company you're interviewing for because nothing is worse than going to interview and they ask you, so do you understand what we do? And they say, no, (laughs) well, you're out because do the research on the company, do the research on who you're interviewing with know their title, know what they have to do. I mean, you know, you're prepping, you want to wow them. So if you know these things, you know, that's what I tell everybody for every interview, every single one.
1: So we went through the mistakes of interviews, which in a way it's kind of common sense, the stuff you mentioned. But again, it's always good to provide reminders to our listeners who have been out of the job search for a while. But mm-hmm. you said that you had a checklist or prep sheet to help your clients know how to prepare effectively for interviews. So- What are some of the things that you could share in terms of interview strategies or tips to help my listeners improve their interview skills up a notch? So they stand out from the competition.
0: You know, I would say, make sure you have something positive that you did, you know, what you contributed to the company, you know, when people, they always ask, what did you do? So you do a resume and they say, you know, what your job duties are, right? You don't want it to be your job duties. You want to say if you were in charge of, you know, let's say you're going for a recruiting position and you have to run a full cycle. The job duty says run a full cycle recruiting desk. So you want to go in there and not say I ran a full cycle recruiting desk. You want to go in there and say this is what I did. You know, these are my clients. You know, this is what I brought to the company. What can you bring to the company? What are your numbers? What are your, if you're in sales, what are your KPIs? What are your stats, right? What are your stats, right? Just like in a sport, you know, what are your stats? What are you gonna to bring to this team? So I always want them to have that as they you know, always remember something like that. And second, I always tell them, you know, have a failure, something where you missed the mark, you know, show that vulnerability, but not only showing that failure, Also showing how you overcame that failure. What did you do? How were you proactive and fix that? Or did you not fix it? You know, make sure you're honest. You know, honesty is the best thing to do. And then I always ask them, usually they know why the position is open because I usually get that information from the client. But a question that really gets an interviewer or a company kind of set back is I always tell my candidate, Ask the person you're interviewing why you chose this company to work for. Why did you, ABC, choose this company? Put that back on your interviewer. See why they came to the company. See what they think the company is all about. You know, talk about them. And a lot of interviewers, I've had a lot of clients come back and say, they asked me why I came to this company. And I am like, oh, really? I'm like, wow, that was a really good question that they asked. (laughs) But, you know, just asking them, you know, get to know the person that you're going to be working for and you want to know why. And even if you left, you know, everyone wants to know why you left your last job. And even if the boss was, you know, horrible, whatever, just say it just wasn't a cultural fit for me. That was it. Don't badmouth anybody don't go in there just talking about everybody because it's just not good character. You know what I mean? If you were laid off, you were laid off. If you quit, well, why did you quit? Well, you know, it just wasn't working for me. You know, I just didn't feel it was good for me and that's it, you know, but again, a lot of these things, the client will already know because I've already given them all those obstacles, but it really does show a lot of respect When you ask that client at the end, when they say, do you have any questions? And just say, yes, what made you come to this company? It's a good closer.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a good closer. Yeah. This episode is probably going to get posted around January. What's your opinion of the outlook of the job market in 2023? And for some people who are looking at making a career change or searching for a new job, do you think it's a good time to start Uh, in 2023 or with so much economic uncertainty, it may be better to stay put if you are okay with staying at your current job for the short period of time that there's a lot of economic uncertainty right now.
0: I think right now would be to kind of reevaluate really what you're looking for. You know, are you really happy where you're at? I think now is a slow time for companies, but it's a hectic time for everybody with holidays and stuff coming up. But I think, you know, no one's going to do anything. I don't think anything's going to happen until February when people are going to start with that interviewing and hiring again. I think right now people are just kind of settling and, you know, kind of looking at their budget, looking at what they want to do. I would never suggest someone just jumping the gun. You know, I really think you need to just sit back and take this slower time to reevaluate but I think coming after the first of the year and when everybody gets over the whole New Year's, you know, type of stuff, I think once the end of January comes, beginning of February, I'm pretty positive things are going to, you know, look up and people are going to see that, you know, we have to make some changes and we have to be a little bit more flexible. Candidates have to be flexible. You know, they can't be, you know... Saying, I only want this, and clients have to be there. Has to be some sort of a balance. We have to figure out a way to come together. And I think that's where recruiters are going to be a little bit more of a resource. I really think our industry is going to really rise because I think people really need consultation and I really think they need some mentorship. And a recruiter is the most, you know, inexpensive way to do it. You know what I mean? But I am very positive going into the latter end, middle of first quarter of 2023.
1: Awesome. Jen, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me about the current job market, as well as providing your interview tips and strategies to help my listeners who are currently in the job search. So I want to end off this podcast episode with a question I ask all my guests at the end is what has been one big career challenge that you had to overcome to help you get to where you are today?
0: Well, I've been through ups and downs in the staffing industry and I took time off I took a few years out of the industry to kind of just clear my head and, you know, see if this is what I wanted to do. And I think my whole purpose with doing this is really to help people. I really do just love people. And the setback when things crashed, you know, 2007, seven eight when things were like really bad and, you know, I lost, you know, everything, you know, and then you take that time off and then you come back. It's a very fulfilling career that I have, and that's what keeps me going, and I like to just see clients happy, and I like candidates happy. So that's what keeps me going in the end, and I have to be able to roll with the punches because no day is the same, and sometimes it's exhausting, but it leads you to a lot of remarkable experiences.
1: Great. And uh, how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them in uh, their career?
0: They can email me at info at jenconnorsconsulting.com. My website is also jenconnorsconsulting.com and all over social media as Jen Connors.
1: Great. Again, I appreciate the time.
0: You too. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: we